Welcome, everybody, to the after party. We're here again, the end of a series, and what a ride. This has been amazing. The, the downside is we don't have Danielle with us. Uh, she couldn't be with us to, uh, this afternoon, but we do have a stellar cast. Uh, Jimmy, uh, fresh off of the, uh, the pulpit from the teaching from this morning. Thank you, brother. Excellent way to bring us home. Uh, we also have uh, Dagmar, who's our pastor from Hamilton Mountain uh, Meeting House and was my, uh, my partner in crime last week on stage, which was fantastic. I'm so grateful that she's joining us today. And we also have uh, our friend James Scholl from uh, Wellspring Worship Center in Toronto. And uh, welcome, everybody. Good to be Thanks. here. Welcome, Quincy. <laughs> uh, yeah, very happy to be here. It's exciting. Taking out so, with the old people that I see on screen so much. So. <laughs> well, I, I want to get into it. We've got a number of questions. This is the opportunity for us to just be able to, to kind of Talk a little bit more. Some of the things that we didn't get to on the Sunday teaching, uh, as well as answer the questions that have come in through it. So like I mentioned at the top, that this is the, the end of our Colossians series of four weeks, uh, going through the book of, of Colossians. Jimmy uh, finished this up. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just say some of the things that stood out for me, Jimmy, and I'll give you uh, give Dagmar as well a chance. And then for you to just get into some of the cutting room floor stuff, I know that there is a number, <laughs> a number of things that you didn't get. A ch- yeah, that's right. Yeah. Crack up. Yeah. Loosen up. Cause I know there's things that didn't make the final cut as far as the teaching, as you try and cram so much into this, you know, just like a, a half an hour conversation. But, um, but I think, I think for me, like I was, I had a chance to sit, uh, sit in the theater, which was a gift in itself and, uh, and listen to you, uh, listen to you teach us this morning. And, um, and there was the, the, the phrases that you kept, repeating about us as Jesus followers, making stuff, not yeah. taking stuff, um, not, not conquering, but caring and not harming, but healing. Yeah. And I just, I love that little, you know, just these, these little hooks. My daughter who was sitting beside me. She leaned over and said, yeah, we were, uh, we're to create, not obliterate, which was another one. So you could, that would have been a good one, but, but, but brilliant. I just, I just love that. Just that, that countercultural approach to the things that we see and we read daily, where there's so much hostility, so much division, so much of this conquering us versus them. And Jesus is, is, is not calling us to abandon that, just to eject, but he's calling us to lean in towards it, but with a different, a totally different kind of disposition, um, a different way of engaging with it. So, so I'm, it, it's not a new message. And, and I think at one point, even in the teaching, like, I feel like I'm repeating myself. It's like, <laughs> but it's like, yes, yes. Cause we need to hear it again uh, and again and again and again. And part of, I think our job is as uh, as a community that follows Jesus is to just like, no, remember who you are. Remember what we're called to do, um, which is just yeah, phenomenal. So, and I, and I forget, I forget that you can sing. I forget that <laughs> when the guitar came out, everything, I'm like, man, this guy is, it's, um, that was a, a real blessing to me this morning. So uh, I'll turn it over to Dagmar. Dagmar, what are, what are some of the, uh, the first impressions or things that pop for you uh, this morning? You were on pause for a minute, Dagmar. I got you back down. Yeah, we're good now. Yeah, we, <laughs> we see you and hear you. Can you hear us? Okay. It's, it's pausing. And then we've just, okay. So Dag, we'll, we'll get you sorted out and we'll let Jimmy uh, jump in in the meantime. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's so much there. I, um, oh, where to start? So 
you know, from a scholarly perspective, it's fascinating that even just the, the multiple layers, nuances, like as you peel back the onion of scripture, the experience of Paul, the life of the, the community, um, a good chunk of scholarship today would say, it's likely isn't a letter of Paul, like it might not be. It could be just a letter that was stewarded, written by or co-written by Paul with another scribe or somebody altogether that's like added into the history of the New Testament church. And the power of the letter itself, like it doesn't need any more more validity with Paul's name on it, although that helps, um, but that it was stewarded uh, by a group of people. Now, I mean, you can go either way. I think um, probably more of our conservative scholars would say, no, it was attributed to Paul relatively late, but that's okay. And the reason that you see like a bit, a bit more of a divergent path and how Paul explains himself in, in particular chapter three, like chapter three is that chapter where I was like, whoa, what's he getting? Like, this doesn't sound like Paul. This is very heart, feel, earth, you know, dirt. Um, whereas chapter one is more theology. It's a very Roman-esque, like the book of Romans, deep theology. Um, I don't know where I land. I just think, you know, if you've been in it long enough, if you've been suffering long enough, if you've been under the boot of empire long enough, that'll, you know, human history has shown like a couple of things that rise to the surface. One, you bark louder, you fight back harder, you weaponize more easy or the opposite. You actually become softer, more introspective, more like what is going on? Like I have to search my own heart first before I point fingers at anybody else. So I would probably contend that that's what we're looking at uh, as Paul like rattles on through, and I don't mean that negatively as Paul, um, you know, continues to write the letter in chapter three, he's like, okay, like chapter one and Jesus, the the invisible God is made visible. Uh, Jesus in all through all uh, put on, um, you know, put on the clothing of Christ. You're hidden in Christ. Uh, which is fascinating. Like he's still borrowing from ancient thought. It's like, well, you know, I think it was the Greeks that believed like you're hidden, buried, trapped in the earth when you die. And God, and Paul's like, no, 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 hidden in Christ. Nope. This is the way that works. And then in chapter three, he's like, but let's get to it. Like, how are we feeling? Cause this is legit hard. We thought maybe the gospel would take over and uh, you know, more of the, OG messianic way, but it seems like Jesus wants to be Lord of our hearts, not Lord necessarily of our land. So for him to go introspective, I think fits with, um, yeah, just the the divine evolution that's happening uh, in Paul. And then the other thing that I would say, like kind of on the cutting room floor is as somebody who, you know, I would have said, I, I don't believe in God. I wouldn't have said atheist, but I would have said agnostic early on. Um, you know, my late teens, early twenties, for sure. Uh, as I, as you dig into scripture, it's fascinating. Like if you've been following any of the deconstruction movement or atheist uh, TikTok stuff, which is an amazing place to learn, like how our counter brothers and sisters are processing what we're like leading into as a faith community. Um, you know, one of the ways where like we can agree is uh, in, in Anabaptist tradition is like, when you hold to the doctrines or something like the doctrine of inerrancy, that can get you in all sorts of trouble. When you hold to the doctrine of relationship with God and relationship with community, it just opens up such a vast superhighway of connection points with God. Mm. Um, and so, you know, when you look at the early church, and this is what's fascinating about reading about Paul in particular, 
Paul, a former high priest, Pharisee, religious lawyer, expert in Torah, uh, knows the rules, knows what, like, we're going to get the land back where the re- Israel will be reinstated. This is what the call of God has always been. And now him for him to be, you know, changing things, like more going after the heart is so fascinating. And then when we see how the early church walked that out, they don't repeat the patterns of power. Like mm-hmm. almost for the first time on planet, planet Earth, these religious people don't repeat the patterns of power. Not until like the 300s when Constantine comes into power and makes it, you know, the imperial state religion, which I would say screwed the whole thing up. But you take the first couple hundred years of the Jesus way, they're like, oh, we're cool. You want the lamp? Great. How can we serve you? How can we care for you? You know, we want to be a hospital for people who are lost and invite everybody into this new way, not like a, a military outpost for war. Um so that's always been like going back to my agnostic self. That was the part that always shook me. It's like, if this is all false, if this is like, you can't verify the, the gospel writers, you can't ver- verify what were Paul, Paul's words, what did they actually believe about the resurrection? What did they believe about the Trinity? Um, the next step is like, okay, well, what did they do with the message? Did they set up, well, now we have our God. Jesus is the, um, is, is, divine overall creation and jesus is here to rule with a fist well then yeah it's really easy to not believe it's like this is bs like they're just repeating the same systems of power they didn't they didn't Mm -hmm. the early church were champions of caregiving of hospitality of invitation of translating the good news of the gospel of jesus to to greeks to barbarians to scythians to samaritans to women you know, never heard of before, never heard of before. And not only was it like, well, I'll try and add those people. It's like, no, this is the centerpiece of our faith. It's the gospel that comes in and changes everything from the inside out, not the gospel that comes out and around and conquers everything, subjugates and enslaves people again. Um, so I think we're seeing that in Colossians. I think that's why Paul starts with the juxtaposition of like, okay, let me use Greek authoritarian Roman language to show you why Caesar is not actually in power, Jesus is. And then let's drill down to the heart feel, like how does this make it in our hearts and what do we do with it? Mm. Sermon two, right there. <laughs> Uh, awesome, yeah. A working, a working from the inside out, as opposed to the the outside in, and that transformation happening. Yeah. Welcome yeah, back, Dagmar. Yeah, good to have you back. Hey, one more thing. One more thing. One more thing. <laughs> one more thing. <laughs> one more? So, okay. Uh, it's fascinating. Just coming on, um, like the the notion of emperor. I might get this wrong. I feel like it was Emperor Julian, but it escapes me right now. He actually um, built a conquest. Uh, in the name of the people of the way. So the earliest Christians, he's like, they seem to be helping lots of people and gain, getting lots of popularity and adding to their numbers. Let's try the same thing because Rome seems a little bit fractured. Let's try the same thing. And then they got sick of it. They're like, this is too freaking hard to help people. Let's just kill them. Enough. And the Christians are like, ha, 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 we're still okay. So it's fascinating. Even then, like hundreds of years later, still didn't work. The people of power, amassing power, conquest land, that doesn't work. And we're seeing that today. Like it just doesn't work. Yeah. It's not who we're meant to be. It's not how we're meant to live. And Jesus still, still today has something to say to us, has something to change from the inside to move outside. Mm. Brilliant. Okay, the end. The end. Was that sermon <laughs> sermon 2.5? Yeah, we've got another, we're, we're working another series. <laughs> Dag- a lot of hit, a lot of stuff hits the cutting room floor, you know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 
So um, before we get in, Dagmar, you're back. You're here. Yes. Internet connection is strong, yes. sturdy, stable. Um, I'd love to get some of your, your thoughts on this as well. Uh, sure. either, either responding to some of what Jimmy's just shared uh, or, uh, or even from the teaching from this, this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, um, that I completely resonate with what Jimmy's talking about. And that was actually going to be the first thing that I was going to share was talking about subverting the song of empire. So I just love that phrase, subverting the songs of empire. And, um, and that when we are in proximity with God, that's when we are at our best as a community and just re- that reminder of what we are, we're the helpers, the makers, the caregivers. Um, And it's so easy. um, And so, and how quickly we jump to um, just getting back to, you know, being in the world and going back to um, reacting to the things that are around us and the things happening to us, as opposed to kind of staying in that posture of recognizing what, you know, what we are and, and how we are outside of that system and how we are meant to be. The other thing that really uh, struck me about the teaching was there was a, one of the quotes at the beginning by Nightbird. And she says, maybe we missed it. What God showed us when he first introduced himself, that he will crawl into the dirt to be near us. And he will fill our lungs with air when we don't know how to breathe. And it's like, it's those kinds of thoughts that like, honestly, get me through the day, right? Like remembering, and again, remembering that, you know, the, that the commute to God is, is instantaneous. Like my commute to him is, is instant. All I have to do is, you know, breathe and adjust my mind to be focused on the right thing. And that, and then that he's in it with us as we do each day. And as we try to address the issues of empire and what that means for us and how it affects us and, and the world. Well, that, and that ties a little bit into one of the questions that we got earlier in the, in the series uh, coming from Maria. And her question basically is, um, how, do we, how are we supposed to grasp onto Jesus' claims that don't necessarily match our own experience. Our lived experience is one of maybe disconnection or uh, tragedy, agony, pain, all of these things. And then there's this conversation saying, oh, just invite Jesus into your heart yeah. and then everything will be, be okay. Yeah. How, how, might, how might you respond to somebody who's, who's hearing this message of hope and of being a caring and loving person, mm-hmm. but then the experience is something that's totally different? Um, maybe, uh, James, I'll start with you, just maybe some of your initial thoughts, and then we'll just open it up for people to go around. Oh, you can mute it. Yeah, can you mute it? Someone muted me. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot of people that wish they could do that in my life, frankly. <laughs> I, I, I really appreciated even the, the tone of this question was someone really struggling with stuff. Uh, it was a, a wonderful candor. Um, and vulnerability to the question, and yeah, it's it's difficult. So I'll ask on I'll answer on a kind of a big scale, and then maybe people can answer a little more on the kind of individual scale. I, I think one thing to remember about sermons is uh, when it comes to the process of writing a sermon, it's this weird, complicated, beautiful struggle. Um, and the people that you're connecting with, you're trying to connect with everyone. Um, if you were to say, ask a math teacher and say, hey, you've got to prepare a lesson. And in this lesson, there's going to be a three-year-old that's never done math before. 
And there's going to be a 60-year-old uh, tenured U of T professor in math. Uh, you're all going to, and, and everything in between, everything in between. And now make a lesson that's interesting and relevant to those people and everything in between. You're, you're going to miss, you're going to miss. And so sometimes there's going to be messages and it's hard and you're like, ah, maybe that wasn't for me. Uh, and now, so my challenge, my struggle, the, the bit I love about preaching is like, how do I do my best to make that? And I think, um, Danielle, who's preached twice this season, I think one of the, she's so effective and reaches so many, but even, even the best can't reach everyone. And there's what, like 5,000 people watching this. Um, so it's, it's a challenge. It's a privilege. Um, and so my first thing would be to say, yeah, like, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I didn't say what I needed to say for this to connect with you. Um, so I'll, I'll start with that and then y'all can jump in because I want to talk for too long. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, I'll throw it to you. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think one of the challenges in my early, like I, I resonate as well with that question, Maria. Thanks for offering it. Uh, and I agree the candor and vulnerability in what you did. Uh, I would say amen. Yep. Um, as somebody who in some very dark seasons uh, was calling out to hear the voice of God and heard nothing. That is a desperate and dark place to be. I wish I had a one verse shot or a one experience solve for you. I don't know. There are uh, silences of God that are hard, that are a struggle uh, and that this side of eternity, I, I don't know how to answer uh, so uh, my answer likely for that is like, why can't it just be easier? Why haven't I experienced? Um, isn't that too simplistic? Um, I would say what's given me some solace in my experience is actually um, spiritual friend, spiritual friendships, mentors, uh, and the evidence of God in, in others. Uh, and then in creation and art, um, you know, so um, I, I've shared the story before, but even in my like lowest lows, I had two very, very good friends that I would just go and rattle off questions to some of which they could answer some of which they couldn't, but it wasn't in the asking and it wasn't in the answering that, that caused me to hold on. It was actually just in the gentleness and warmth of another brother or sister that was just like, regardless of outcome, I'm just here with you. Like I want to exemplify Mm -hmm. the life ethic, the mode, the feeling of Jesus uh, here with you um, now, you know, Mother Teresa, again, like this Mother Teresa, like the saint of Calcutta living in the slums, serving orphans said, I never heard from God. Crazy. Right. And so in the absence of hearing from God, what did she call her life's uh, ambition calling is to aid in the suffering and the alleviation of suffering of the lowest of the low. So it's important, I think, to not get stuck, like to, you know, seek out um, other ways, other people, other voices that can be encouraging. You know, sometimes the power and freedom of Christ isn't like a, for some people it is, and that's great. We don't take anything away from that. For other people, it's a long, it's long obedience in the same direction. And sometimes that road isn't like lit with street lamps. Sometimes it's dark and twisty and filled with rocks and shadows, uh, and I don't have an answer for that. I'm like, yeah, God, this kind of sucks. Would love some help. 
I guess what I hold on to in these moments is spiritual friendship, community, the witness of faith, as Hebrews puts, the cloud of witnesses, the witness of faith um, that continues. So, and wouldn't it be amazing if we had, if we continued to grow as a community that just invited that kind of conversation, that it's not just invite Jesus into your heart, experience the joy of the Lord, manifest all these spiritual gifts, die, go to heaven, (laughs) which is sometimes what like, being a person of faith has been billed as and then what gets lost is the people who are like my family who when I was little my sister died well that sucks and we were Christians my other sister is deaf and lived with a debilitating disability and struggled with mental health and suicide all of her life well that sucks you know so where is the inclusive family of faith in and around and not trying to speed through suffering and just being like, we don't know, but we love you. We're here. Let's do this together. Let's walk together. Even if it doesn't mean like quick answers. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, even opening up uh, how we pray and what prayer looks like again, the, the Bible, if, uh, if nothing else, and it is many things else, is this incredible example or manual of like how people's prayers looked and um the the vulnerability expressed by you know some of the prophets you know there's there's language like god you've ruined my life like like jeremiah just says you have ruined my life you have taken everything from me and i'm done like these are like the prayers that are included in scripture and so we feel like we have to approach god with this kind of sanitized like okay god well i guess i'm ready like and and that's a beautiful thing and submission to god and obedience to god are great things and i heartily advise you to do it but like jesus crying why have you forsaken me like that's that's a, a cry of of pain and loss and so why don't we honor those prayers and why don't we make more room for those too? And again, so like if your prayer to God is just like, you've ruined my life, then hey, then then you're speaking the language of the Bible. Yeah, um, yeah. Hmm. that's a great commercial for next week too when we start our Road to Hope series, starting with laments, like that is sermon one. And I'm doing it. <laughs> well, hmm. And I agree, James. Like I, I think it's Psalm. You can use that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, one of the earliest things is like, David writing like hymnal song, David and others writing songs, poems, poetry. And one of my favorite lines from one of the early ones, I think it's Psalm 4, but I might have that wrong off the top of my head is like, God, are you freaking sleeping? Like, are you asleep? Wake up, wake up. So I agree. I think there's, there's room for that kind of language, honesty, vulnerability. It's not just all, you know, cuddles and kitten whiskers. Sometimes it's like darkness death pain and all all is welcome all is welcome in the life of christ all is welcome in the body of christ all is welcome in the experience of christ and i would caution us to give um and i'm not by any means saying that you know danielle or any one of us were was attempting that um in the teaching series um but yeah i think the the best version of ourselves caring for each other well is to 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 slow each other down on, on both sides is not to, not to wallow and stay in despair, but to be like, there's actually more come with me, uh, but also not to give quick fix, you know, like five hour energy drinks to people uh, in the name of. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I, I think giving people the permission just to be honest with God, right? Like, I think that's, it was, there's a line that I'm reminded of often is that God knows me 
not for who, not for who I pretend to be, but for who I really am. <laughs> so, because we we're really good at pretending. Um, so amongst amongst each other, or in uh, church spaces, or you know, faith spaces, that it's it's giving that appearance of having everything together and being okay. But God is welcoming, you know, the the, the clenched fist, you know, shaking it at Him, and all of the, um, you know, the, the pain and uh, and agony that you're going through. And I, and I appreciate what you're saying too, uh, Jimmy, about being able to do that in community with people. It's like, who, who are the, who are the people that you can be honest with, um, and, and be able to walk through life in that? Cause you need at least, at least a couple, um, need to be in your life yeah. on a regular. It's, it's the witness, yeah. like, especially the, the New Testament writing is like, imagine if we were to hop in a time machine and go back to like when they're, they're first penning these letters to encourage each other's community. And we'd be like, guess what? This is in the Bible now. Like it's scripture. They'd be like, what? It's script. What are you talking about? We were just writing letters to encourage each other, to inform our faith, to remind each other of the stories of Jesus. Crazy. Y'all are listening to this and reading it like thousands of years later. Amazing. And like, this is the, the penning of the gospels and, you know, the letters uh, of the new Testament was exactly that. It was the evolution of faith. It was like, we have to write this down to remind, you know, and there's highs and lows. There's terrible war soaked conquest that's embedded in the letters there's the caesars who called themselves gods there's persecution and death like it's all this is the the undercurrent of the writing of scripture so imagine for us as a church if we're writing those letters to each other again be like, of course of course we're going to suffer but that's like this is what faith this is about what the the life of christ is about it's together not apart mm-hmm. And I'll also nudge and hey, like I don't, I don't go y'all to y'all, but that that's on you as leaders, right? Like to be real and raw about your vulnerabilities. Like that's it's creating a culture where people feel so like I don't have it together at all. Like that's some of the one of the best people at my church and best people in the world, as far as I'm concerned. She's like, I can't pray right now. I can't like I've like I've had my heart broken too many times. I'm done. So you can pray for me, but I'm not. And I'm like, oh, like awesome. Thank you. I love you. Like that's like they and and we want to like and to be clear, like I fail the majority of the time, and like my one success story does not obliterate all the time to get it wrong. But like, what does it mean for church to be a space where people can be like that? It's like no, I'm I'm not gonna because I'm done. And yeah. me saying like, what have you told God? You hate him? Like that's. That's better than not talking to him at all. She's like, no, I'm not there yet. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> right, but yeah, we, we need to, this needs to be all the way through, right? And I think, I think the Meeting House does this wonderfully. And I think you um, uh, have been raw and real for a, a good long time. But yeah, this, uh, this kind of sage on the stage, leadership doesn't work, man. Like we've we got to be honest about, mm. yeah, yeah, where we're hurting, right? Mm. Okay, we're going to switch gears a little bit. There, there's, there's, there's so many threads to, to pull from this conversation just in the last like 30 minutes. Like we could go down like a million different ways, but I, I want to I uh, bring us to some of the questions that have come in. So uh, there have been a number that are along this, this line that's very practical in the sense of what's been going on over the past number of weeks in, in Ottawa. Uh, with the uh, the convoy and the, um, the 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 protests that are happening, so uh, so 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 to, to kind of uh, yeah, something real light. That's a, that's a big one. <laughs> I'm trying to work out if my people are watching and if I can get fired one way or another. So we'll see. I guess. 
So, so it's, 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 it's been really interesting. And, and, um, and so one of the questions is, is that we talk, at, we talk at, at our, at our church at the meeting house um, about a third way approach. Yeah. Um, so what does what does a third way approach look like mm-hmm. uh, when having these conversations um, specifically with what's happening in Ottawa? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So what, what are the first two ways? I'm sorry. Like, I'm not trying to, if that is irrelevant because <laughs> I'm an outsider, but like, if there's a third, what are the first two? So the, so the, the, the idea is that whenever a situation is presented, there's, there's, there's an A side, there's a B side, there's a, there's a red side, there's a blue side that you can only be on either right. every, okay. every, uh, every social, every moral, every political issue okay, can be sure. boiled down to two, two choices, this or that. And then if you're if, if you're if you're looking at this in this particular way, then you're opposed to everything that stands on the other side. Okay, would be the would be the first two in a nutshell. Very well articulated, yeah. Quincy. Thank you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I did see um, a post on the internet. Actually, it was Carmen, who um, the Oakville pastor, who had posted this, and. I think it just is a really good way for us to frame it. So it was a series of uh, photos or like paintings of Jesus washing feet. And each person that he, like each photo, one was a police officer, a protester, a person with a mask on, a person with a mask off, a person who was obviously a frontline worker, a hospital worker. Like it was just a series of photos of Jesus washing everybody's feet not just one side, not just another side, but that he was, and it was, it was really impactful to see that image. Um, so I just think that that's helpful for us in terms of we're talking about the way to frame it, that to think of it that way, if Jesus was present, he'd be washing everybody's feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so some of those images I think are helpful um, so when we look at, if, if you look at the news, depending on the, the news outlet that you choose, uh, depending on the Facebook, you know, posts that you choose that, like, you know, promote your own echo chamber of seeing the thing, uh, we can get stuck in these kind of, um, yeah, like, like echo chamber. One of the images that's been powerful or some of the kinds of images that have been powerful for me, even with addressing this conflict in Ukraine, is just, uh, that, that transcendence of the dichotomy of us versus them. So where you see uh, people in Russia um, praying for the people with, you know, a zoom call, for example, there was a zoom call with a number of Russian, uh, Russian pastors and Ukraine pastors that are there praying for one another and for the nation. One that transcends this us versus them piece. Um, as opposed to getting further down the rabbit hole of entrenching ourselves. And if it's, if it's this, if it's not this, what I agree with, then it's uh, irreconcilable. And there's no way that we can have a conversation. Like, like I know, like I've had conversations with people who um, are at risk of losing their, all of their, their livelihood um, because of some of the things that have been put in place, the mandates and some of the challenges that have been put in by by the, the current government where people can't feed their families. I've had conversations with people like that. Yeah. So it's hard to dismiss them as fill in the blank of all of the things right. that go along with all of that. But to listen to what they're experiencing and then hearing the frustration and the pain. And then on the other hand, you'll see people who have who have suffered because the restrictions haven't been fast enough or strong enough and have lost 
like members of their like family members are gone, like they're no longer with them anymore. So, so to sit in those spaces and and look and listen and think, no, this isn't this isn't one of those like if you're not this, then you're this. There's a lot of suffering uh, going on, on on all sides. Yeah. Um, so then, what's the 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 best response then as somebody who follows Jesus to alleviate some of the suffering? What do you? What's the answer, Jimmy? Like, can you fix this for us, please? <laughs> In, in just like one sentence, just like one, one okay. sentence. Answer, <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I think the third way, like, so what is it that we like Christians need to stand up and a politics and government or B protest and push back. I would say the third way is C people like mm-hmm. We have to be about people. That's the third way. So now sometimes that doesn't mean like, again, as Anabaptists, we're pacifists. It's not P-A-S-S. We're not passive, letting everything go by and be like, oh, I just don't want to get hurt. Oh, don't hurt me. We're soft and gentle and don't do anything. It's, it's bringing peace. It's bringing reconciliation. It's bringing hope into areas of conflict. And the early church rushed into conflict, didn't hide away from it. Um, so I would say that's from a macro scale, that is the third way is, you know, if we're motivated to side with um, policy and politics, the end goal is people, is to love and care for people. If we're motivated to protest and push back, the end goal is people, is to care for people. Now, the one caveat that I would say is, uh, and the New Testament, Jesus teaching, Paul's teaching is rife with this, is fruit. Pay attention to the fruit. Um, so if you are protest, let's start with the, the one side. Let's say you are a person who is like, no, you know, we should be uh, more military power and pushing the the, the convoy out of Ottawa, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I would just say, okay, as Christians, follow the fruit. What is the end result? Is it reconciliation, Mm. honest conversation with the people who are protesting? Or is it clubs and guns and screw you, push you out? Mm, We're probably doing that wrong. On the other side, if we're, um, you know, protesting, uh, what is the fruit? Is it we're guns out um, or guns hidden, whatever, uh, you know, Nazi flags, uh, uh, like follow that fruit. That is not of Jesus, you find yourself taking up arms, wanting to harm anybody, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. That's it. So follow the fruit. I would say like, what is the result? Is the result of protest or politics bringing you closer towards people or pushing you further away? away. Okay. Okay. Let's keep talking. If it's B, it's, it, it is not from God. It is anti-Christ, which is what Paul and other New Testament writers wrote about, um, the emperors, the Caesars, these are the antichrist, they're the opposite, they're the antithesis of Christ, have no part in, no part in it. So I think the third way approach is be, let's be about people, you know, like let's lean in, listen, try to hear, you can learn something from everybody. Uh, but then step two is like, let's follow the fruit. If it's pushing us away from people and bearing no fruit, like Paul says, like it's it's handy that he has a list of what those fruits would be. They are compassion, kindness, <laughs> gentleness, patience, forgiveness, uh, uh, being forgiven of grievances as well, honesty, and over all of these, be unified by love. If that's not the marker of your protest or your policy, we're doing it wrong, and Jesus has nothing but rebuke for us. 
think that was, more, that was more than the sentence, but yeah, very sorry. helpful. But very helpful. No, excellent. No, I love that. I think that's in fairness. The, so the one sentence is the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, yeah. goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against these things. There are no law. Like that's, that's our answer, right? Yeah. That's, that's where we go. I think, <laughs> I think it's difficult. And I think, again, a third way approach is ultimately going to make you unpopular with both sides. So good for you, which is effectively what I did a couple of weeks ago and got into trouble. Um, but I think, I think what's interesting again, like what's, what are we told to do? We're told to love our enemies. But I thought about this. This is my thought experiment for it. If I got a big banner that just said, forgive them, father, they don't know what they're doing. And I like, walked around that protest. Who would like be on my side? Who wouldn't be like, would people know what to do with it? Right? Like, is it me asking forgiveness for the protesters or is it me as a protester asking forgiveness for the people? Like people don't know what to do with that. And again, we go like, well, yeah, oh yeah, but this is like actually hard. I'm like, yeah, I mean, Jesus's words when he uttered that were to the people that were crucifying him as they were crucifying him. Like it's a pretty tall order. If, if we can, if Jesus can usher those words, then what does it look like for us to, say something similar now too. Um, and, and that's our question. Like, what does enemy love look like? At the same time, yeah, recognize where power is. So white supremacy, we are ardently against this in all its forms, at all times, forever. Jesus, uh, is he washing the feet of the white supremacists? I believe eventually he will. Right now, I do not believe he is. I believe that Jesus is using his body to protect the, the, the victim of that white supremacist. I don't work, work for Meeting House, so yeah. Mm-hmm. If I'm wrong, then y'all can disagree. <laughs> but like, that's <laughs> you're that's not wrong. Fine. You're not wrong. I guess I'm here to like. So I agree. Again, it's like I love this like image of of Jesus, but again, Jesus isn't passive at all, right? Jesus is mm-hmm. completely active, and yet, yeah, if that activity means absorbing death at the hands of an empire, then that's going to happen. And we've seen him do that. If that means him absorbing blows so that the vulnerable and the weak who can't protect themselves don't, he will do that always. But I don't, I don't think he's washing. I, okay. I think he's washing the feet of the, the kids in the Russian kids who got forced into a war and they don't understand. I don't think he's washing the feet of Putin right now. I believe at the grand reconciliation, when all this is restored and everything is redeemed, that absolutely he will, because Jesus has come to free the oppressor and the oppressed. Mm. (laughs) But like he's, he's, comes later. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's washing the feet of those that are, are willing to sit, right? Like, yeah, it's hard to yeah. it's hard to have your feet washed if you're busy kicking bodies, right? Like it's um, yeah. So I so I, yeah, I I hear what you're saying, James. Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, if we're if we're uh, if we're humble enough to just sit <laughs> and allow him to do it, it's like it's like uh, Jesus talking about him coming just you know just for the the sick. Well, everybody's sick, but not everybody's willing to admit their sickness, right? So so so. Yeah, Jesus is there available for everyone that's um that's willing to be ministered to by him. Yeah. That's good. I, yeah, you guys are this is wonderful. I'm I'm appreciating this a lot. I don't know um, if I'm saying that it's gonna get people into trouble. It's not really Yeah, you keep saying that. Just, I'm waiting for that I'm waiting for that shoe to drop where it's like, all right, we're gonna drop the bomb. Maybe you can so so so, so let's let's switch gears just a little bit and uh maybe here's your opportunity. 
Uh, there was there's a, a chunk in Colossians that we didn't get to in the teaching, but it's it's there, right? And um, oh, verse eighteen, yep. Let's go. <laughs> How did you know, Jimmy? That's, that's exactly where I'm going. You had a feeling. You bunch of cows didn't want to preach on it, man. I don't know what to tell you. Let's get it. Like we've got we've got a few minutes left, so let's let's spend the time. Uh, chapter three, starting in verse eighteen, seems like like a, a meaty elephant that's here that didn't get touched at all. I don't think in any of the teaching. Wives submit to your husbands is is fitting in the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey mm-hmm. your earthly masters and everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. I'll leave it there. Um, James, I'll start, I'll start with you. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, we'll, yeah, we've got, we've got about 15 minutes left. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to offer a controversial hot take here and say I'm anti-slavery. So if we can just have that. And I'm not afraid to say it, okay? And and the man. The sound. <laughs> you're just you wanted to have that perfect sound bite, right? Just in case everything else break loose. Yeah. At least we can say that. <laughs> when 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 I try to, yeah, it's like so. So let's begin and end with slavery being bad, okay? Um, uh, well, it's our old friend context, right? Like we have to look, we have to look at, we have to look at all the scripture in context, and we especially have to look at this area in context. The question is, of course, and I think we, when we look at Scripture through this lens, it's, it's what's it saying both to the people at the time in that space and what's it saying to us now um, as a result of that, because of that, in spite of that, who knows? I, I think what's wonderful is all, all we can do is look at what was the truth. So I'll take children. That's a long, less controversial one. So at the time, Parents could just abandon their children for like no reason. Like they were allowed to just do that. But like, I don't want this child anymore. And then the child would die because that's what happened to children back then. So what Paul says, like, don't do that to your children. So he's taking, we also, our society uh, elevates children. That's a good thing, I think. Uh, we think that children have worth and value. Um, but there's no sentimentality 2,000 years ago. Children were ultimately kind of a bit useless at the time. We see Jesus stand up for children for that same reason, because they're vulnerable, because they're powerless, um, because he stands up for those people all the time. So I think what's, what's wonderful about this is like, so here's this person with little power. Uh, you should treat them well and love them well. Same thing with wives. They had no power at all, really. Uh, and yet this is encouragement, like you've got to treat them well. Um, at the very end, Paul, of course, says, like, remember who your ultimate master is. And the church is also this weird setup early because you have slaves who are officially like kind of in charge of the church as much as someone is in charge of the church a decade in or whatever. But also you're meeting in someone else's house who isn't isn't a church leader. So there's this weird, bizarre thing. I, I think but for me, we all we all know slavery is bad, right? I mean, we all know slavery is bad. Everyone knows slavery is bad. We're all agreed slavery is bad. So why is it we're so willing to hyper-contextualize passages like this and then like hold on to objective truths elsewhere? And I think we just need to be careful about it and say, well, why does this stand and why does this not? Um, and I think we see this... The arc of scripture bends towards justice, 
which I think is Brueggemann and might not be. Um, and, and that's true, right? So, of course, there's going to be more liberation as Scripture continues. There's going to be more justice as Scripture continues. And, and so, what does it look like for more liberation? What does it look like for more justice? And in this context, this means more justice and liberation for women, for children, for slaves than there was, because there's more. And when you go back a thousand years to the Torah, however you want to date that, there is things are not great for slaves, but there is more justice and there is more freedom than there was. Like there is God's movement is constantly towards liberation and justice and freedom. So we need to be moving in that direction too. Mm-hmm. It's not that we don't get to go back. We get to follow the motion of scripture and the motion of scripture is liberation and freedom. And I think that's what one of the things that's going on in this passage. And that was long and I do apologize. No, no, that's good. Dagmar, do you have any, anything to add to what James had just said or even just that passage overall? Um, No, not really. I mean, I think, you know, I think that James has said it well, like, you know, we, um, that constant motion towards justice is, and liberation is is the is the trajectory we need to be on, and that's what we should always be walking toward. So I don't think I can say it better than that. Honestly, I think that was really good. Mm. Yeah, I like that bending. So we, even even as we can consider the starting place, right? So talk about context being everything. How are the people that are that are receiving this letter? Um, how are they hearing this? If you're if you're if you're a, a Jewish man who sees all of his possessions and and you know his his relationships are actually possessions, right? People that are in his household are, are things things to be owned, things to be controlled. And then Paul now coming on that bent towards justice, saying, "No, no, 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 no. It's respect. It's love. It's not ex- like it's actually treating these things, moving them from the category of stuff that you own." to people that you can love and have relationship with. And I, I love, yeah, mm-hmm. I love that picture that, uh, that you're, you've kind of put out for us, James, that, that moving from injustice, oppression, pain, all of those things to, uh, to that bent towards freedom, uh, freedom and justice. Yeah. That's, that's, I think that's a helpful way to look at it. Jimmy, you've got something for us. I, I can, I feel it just bubbling right under the surface. Yeah, I think, uh, well, three things. One, um, like this isn't a a displaced section. It's not like Paul's like, oh, I wrote the hymn. I I, I walked through living as as made alive or whole in Christ. And I do want to bring people back to the, oh, by the way, we don't like women. We don't like children. We don't like slaves. Just a reminder. You know, it's actually like it's it's the basket of learning that Paul has taken these people uh, through. And so Colossians can also be partnered with Ephesians. So in Ephesians 5, um, we have that same list for Christian households. And the first thing that Paul says is submit to one another, hold each other as equals. And then he goes through his list. So here's how it will work. And you're right. It's that initial ebb and flow, eventual flow of like, um, here's where things are headed. So uh, now I will give a caveat of this frustrates me, me as well. Is it like, wouldn't it be great if verse 22, instead of slaves obey your earthly masters, it was masters free your earthly slaves. The end, there's the thing. You know, um, I think Paul, I wish Paul would have said that. Those are the questions that I will take into 
eternity, the other side, but he didn't. Uh, and I think some of the context is he's, it's, it's the slow evolution. It's the beginning phase of the dot, dot, dot of what justice in faith history will then continue to look like. However, Paul is also doing something freaking fascinating here too. Absolutely fascinating. So remember in verse 11, he, he write, he, he addresses people groups, people groups, it's not arbitrary. So he says, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Verse 11, here there's no Gentile or Jew. Let's stop right there. Put everybody in a room together. So remember we're in the city of Colossae or in Ephesus. All of the sides of the walls are coming in from Rome, from Artemis, from uh, from all of the pantheon of deities that are pressing into this uh, small church. So imagine the five of us and a handful of others being in the same room together and being like, whoa, wait a minute. I know that person like worships Zeus. What are they doing here? Whoa, there's like a Jewish teacher here. Whoa, there's like a small church planet. Whoa, there's a woman. Whoa, there's what are we doing? This isn't how this works. We're supposed to go to temple for this, you know? So we see a mishmash of people all in a room together. And imagine hearing these words at first. Let me remind us here, here, there is no Gentile or Jew. So the Gentiles are the Jews, the Jews are the Gentiles. I'm like, whoa, that's a big deal because we only made partial concessions. You could be in the outer court in our temple construct, but now you're like here. Okay. There's no circumcised or uncircumcised. Whoa, 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 whoa. Because we are really used to that being the mark of God. We're saying that's off the table too. Yeah. Your hearts are circumcised. You're good to go. Holy. Okay. Well, what about the barbarians? Like if you're non-Greek, not them, right? No, nope, we've got a barbarian in the back. They brought their own camp chair. What? Samaritan, like these are the lowest of the low. These are the dogs of human existence at the time. Um, They're there too. And then the slave or free, still the same. So slaves are hearing this. Masters are hearing this. All of us are equal in Christ. Christ is in all, is above all, is, is over all. And then Paul comes back to Christian household. So he's not talking about the church at this point, and starting in verse 18, he's talking about, okay, so how's this going to work at home? There's going to have to be some new new rhythms that you're going to have to probably start trying. It's probably going to be weird. So first of all, if you go to Ephesians, um, submit to each other and to Christ. Oh, well, that's a different, we're not used to that. And I'm sure the men at the time or the people in power are like, don't love this, Paul. Uh-uh. No, that's, that's mm-hmm. yucky. Um, Wives, submit to yourselves to your husbands. So like in this letter, you can you can see the men around the corner being, yeah, submit to your husbands. All right, all right. And then the next verse, husbands, love your wives. Wait, what? Because there was also a provision in the law to dismiss your wife once she got too old, too saggy, too baggy. If you wanted to just like get rid of her, you could give her a certificate of divorce and send her on her way. Jesus addresses that in Matthew 19. Mm-hmm. says, nope. Only the only way that that came into being is because Moses made it a concession of the hardness of your own heart. But I tell you, male and female, he created you equal, equal, equal. So this is this, the slow changing, the slow evolution of Paul being like, this is how it's going to work in your homes. Like husbands, you've known this phrase, like your wives have to submit to you. Wives, women are a commodity. You're owned by your husband. You're owned by your master. That's going to change now. So if Christ is all and is in all, that's going to change now. So husbands, you have to love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. And that's kind of like a crappy English rendering. It's don't, don't be violent. Don't be uh, overbearing to them. Like don't, 
own them as property anymore and instead be in a loving relationship than exactly what James said, children. So imagine now children running around like, whoa, there are kids here because they're like barely human. Why are they here? Okay, well, what are they like? Obey your parents and everything. For this pleases the Lord. There's actually, there's a relationship there. Fathers, do not embitter your children. I loved pointing the scripture out to my dad when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> my, yeah. my, wife, my wife points it out to me often. <laughs> yeah, do not embitter your children. And so, like, as a child, I mean, childhood was essentially up to age 10, nine or whatever in Jewish custom. Uh, imagine the kids in the room hearing this, like, yo, our dad doesn't get to abuse us. Like this is the slow shift that Paul is making. Mm. So I think context is everything, but the heart of Jesus in this is so apparent. So at first glance, yeah, it seems like a sucky way to end this chapter. It's like, what are we just reinforcing like right. colonialist white su- supremacy ideals that are, you know, Absolutely. misogynist and terrible. Yeah, at first right. glance. And and the church, Christians today have weaponized these kinds of passages. But if we get the heart Absolutely. of God in this, of like where Paul is trying to take us, where the spirit is trying to take us, my goodness, my goodness, that uh, really, really shifts things. And then you see that in um, the the later writings of, of Paul, where at once, you know, like women were property, not leaders, not welcome. You know, Paul has deacons, female elders, pastors, leaders, prophetesses who are, who are teaching in the church in the book of Romans in Rome, you know, and saying, listen to her, listen to her. So again, we see how this worked itself out in the life of the church. It wasn't just a one and done nice verse that you stick on a piece of wood on your wall. It was like, no, 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 we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then the religious history that we're a part of is the dot, dot, dot. How have we done this? Wrong or right? I hope it's right. Mm. Can I talk about slavery quickly? Yeah. <laughs> so as, as one who is established, he's anti-slavery. Uh, I love that. Being a headline. <laughs> yeah, you want to throw that out again? Just yeah, to see if missed it. Just need this foundation. <laughs> it's like because, because, like, the title because, of the no, after that, party. That is the best James Shull, not slavery James is anti-slavery. Uh, and thank you. Thank you. Yeah, really take that away. Um, but again, like this, this speaks to the importance of context. And, and again, letting scripture to breathe and sing and dance rather than looking at an individual line. Because again, that line has been used and abused and again, in a way that doesn't liberate, doesn't free, that doesn't produce fruits of the spirit. So we know it's not God, right? Like if it's not doing those things, it's clearly not God. So if you're using scripture in a way that does the opposite of the fruits of the spirit, like if there's unpatience, if there's unkindness, if there's cruelty, then it ain't, then it ain't God. I think, and and going back to kind of what Danielle said in that first week and, and really talking about empire and slavery and, and enslaved peoples and stuff, I think, so there's two really interesting things. I think one of the Lisa Sharon Harper, who's this uh, activist and thinker and theologian in America, a black woman, uh, she talks about how scripts, especially the New Testament, majority of the Old Testament, all the New Testament is written by colonized peoples. Every, every author in the New Testament mm-hmm. is a colonized person. And yet nearly everyone we've had exegeting that scripture for the last 
let's say 1700 years, but like, well, we'll just go Reformation and say 500, um, like have been generally colonized as oppressors. You know, like it's this bizarre thing that we, we somehow think those who have nothing like the experience to those either writing or being written to can somehow be the best to interpret it. That's a problem. And that's, that's why we get into the mess that we're in so much of the time. The other thing, and this is where, I don't know, maybe it becomes a bit more raw and real. Yeah, we, we talk about like the awfulness of slavery whilst recognizing there's more slaves in the world today than there ever have. Never have been, yeah. And, and our participation in that. And I think even, and then really looking at, so if we look at the Torah, it talks about slaves again, verses that have been used, abused to produce something that is not the fruit of God and the fruit of the spirit. But if you look at what's going on there, again, before then, slaves were strictly property. So if I want to murder my slave, I can do that because they're my property. It's nothing. Actually, God says, no, if you murder your slave, you die too. Like this is at this point, this is the first time, and it's weird and nerdy as to why, but it's like the first time that actually slave lives matter. Like they just didn't before. And when you look at the provisions, and again, James, not pro-slavery, but the provisions are you have to give them a day off a week. You have to provide them shelter food. You actually have to let them party. You have to provide them wine. Walmart does none of those things. So (laughs) there is an expectation that you provide in a way that your those slaves that you have have enough. So even mm-hmm. 3,000 years ago, there is that provision. Um, and so why, why are we not up in arms and we kind of go, well, there's no slavery. It's like, yeah, but these people have no choice and they have nothing. So I don't know what else to call it. Yeah. And I'm participating too. I don't know. But I don't like slavery. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Got it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Well, it's an interesting, interesting nugget. I, I think um, even just bringing to um, to Colossians uh, chapter four, um, where he's talking about sending that letter, and he brings it with um, Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who was one of you. Mm. Which is it's it's interesting. It's another one of those a practical reminder, right? Of this is the new setup. So. Um, uh, Onesimus was was the one who is talked about in Philemon, right? The, the little letter about the runaway slave, and and uh, and I love that. Like he's like letting he's reminding everybody, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. Okay. It's just that little subtle reminder. It's like in case you think he's something less or something different. No, no, no. He's your dear brother. He's one of you. So again, starting to kind of. Um, uh, macro big picture this is how it looks and then here's somebody you know by name and by face who i'm telling you no no no. this is your brother uh whom you, whom you need to love and show uh show respect to mm-hmm. so yeah this is great um we covered a lot of ground here uh <laughs> we fix everything we fix it all uh, i don't know I, I don't know if we fixed everything maybe yeah maybe created more issues uh and then solved a handful of others but this has been fantastic. Well, this is a gift for me. I hope that those of uh, those of you that are listening today have been encouraged, um, empowered, inspired. Uh, maybe you found a new pebble in your shoe that wasn't there at the beginning of this uh, to cause you a little bit of discomfort. But uh, I'm I'm thankful for this, and uh, and these kinds of conversations can happen on a regular basis. Where at the meeting house, we we do it mainly at home church, which is a great place to get connected. Um, but, uh, but thank you. Thank you for sending the questions in. Thank you, uh, for 
bearing with us and listening to us talk and try and solve all of the world's problems. Dagmar, thank you so much. Appreciate it. James, a pleasure. And uh, Jimmy, thanks so much for everything, uh, everything today and particularly this morning. So uh, that's it from us. Our time is up. Thank you so much, everybody. And uh, spend the rest of your day in peace.